Okay, <clears throat> we are uh, scooting through Paul, and uh, really interesting again with this passage. Uh, it's it's difficult being a pastor because there are passages in the scripture that you come to, you think, oh boy, what do I do with this? And this is one of these pass- passages. But I wanted to, uh, to take a bird's eye view and go overview to say what we're doing. As I've, as I've seen Paul go through various churches, what Paul is out to do is to watch the Holy Spirit take the gospel of Christ and recreate a redemptive community where people are being saved and they're being sanctified, they're being restored, they're being matured, and they become seasoned people who imitate Christ Christ's attitude, Christ's mindset, Christ's values. But as we get into 1 Corinthians, I wanted to tell you that at the beginning of this passage, um, Paul would say in the first, uh, first four chapters uh, that they were saints. They were, they were called by God. They were brothers, legitimate brothers and sisters in Christ, except this was probably the worst church in the New Testament because they were not growing well. There was a lot of tension, a lot of contention, a lot of division in this church, and yet God wanted them to grow up in Christ. And so he said, I wanted to speak to you as a spiritual man, but I can't because you're acting just like the world. You're acting just like natural men. That's the first part. But now we come later to 1 Corinthians, and after you get past that first part, a lot of commentators will make these individual units, that there are problems that they have. They had incest, they had going to church, should be eating idol meat, meat sacrificed to gods. And, and, and so we come to another one of these issues about women and head coverings. And it's going to be, uh, in my mind, I'm thinking this is not just a separate issue, but it follows the overall theme that Christ is out to restore liberty and freedom and a sense that we are a called people that we want to reflect a different kind of kingdom culture. Instead of relying on the world or being influenced by people, we want to be influenced by Christ. Except the problem was, for the Corinthians, they never knew about Christ. They never saw Christ. They didn't know Christ. And they couldn't read about Christ because the Gospels weren't even available to them. Not until John wrote it in the 90s and beginning Paul's works in the 60s. And so the Corinthians really had Paul, period. And so Paul would say to the Corinthians, I want you to follow me, be imitators of me, calling attention to himself the way Paul would live out the Christian life because I imitate Christ was his thinking. Well, they didn't know the thinking of Christ. They only knew the thinking of Paul. And therefore, as you get into this section, Paul is saying... There's a little twist in here. In 1 Corinthians 10, 15. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, he's talking about how there's uh, um, to be aware of the fact that just because you are participating in a religious gathering or in, the, in, in Israel, it doesn't mean that you are saved and you are growing in Christ. And so he talks about, he says, I don't want you to be unaware that there were people who followed Moses but they died in the wilderness and they weren't pleased. They weren't pleasing to God. 
And so he said, those examples, you don't want to follow people who are just kind of superficially spiritual or culturally or civilly religious. He says, the thing that you need to understand is that Christ will give you a way out of the temptation so that you come into that special relationship with Christ. So he said, don't be like these examples, those who, who didn't obey Christ. But he says, but I give you my example that I do obey Christ. And so he's using that. And so some people think, well, is this imitation about Paul in 1 Corinthians 10? And this chapter uh, usually is cut off and put it with 10. But I don't do that. I put the same passage and the same theme into verse into chapter 11. And so that makes this complicated. And it gets more complicated because he continues to weave in different thoughts. And so if you have difficulty following Paul or me, I'm imitating Paul so you can be confused. (laughs) But here's the point. God is out to redeem and restore a special kind of people. And those people are marked and characterized and have a distinction as being people of the Holy Spirit. And that's the bottom line. That as you find people who are called Christians, there's going to be a difference in those who follow, obey, submit, trust, and uh, really imitate Christ. So with that, you didn't think this morning, as you come to Christ, as you came to church this morning, you're thinking about the wonderful summer days, the barbecues you had yesterday, and the work you got done. And so you were not thinking about what I'm going to talk about. I am sure. Because I wasn't thinking about what I was thinking about coming into this. Because it's not an issue that you think about or I think about. But you may see the relevance as you get underneath it. So here's the point. Uh, One of the things that Paul is going to talk about today is an issue that was real for them. It's head coverings. Women, in particular, uh, in religious societies, have created a, a stir among certain groups, and there is a movement, if you are in those societies, about the head-covering movement. A debate, as you, if, if you would say, is going on that should a woman come to church with her head covered. And so, just like eating meat sacrificed to idols, we say, well, that's... That's an old issue and settled because it's an outmoded. It doesn't pertain to us because it's back then and there. But here's the same kind of issue where they were struggling. Now imagine you coming to church Sunday morning in Corinth and what you have is a, a group of Jewish women coming in as they would always do with their head covered. And the Corinthians coming in and saying, well, wait a minute, I didn't get that message. Was I, where do you buy those hats? I... Am I supposed to wear that? And so there's a tension. What's the way women enter into worship? And so there is no small disagreement. Now, if you're a man, you may think, ah, that doesn't pertain to me. And so we would dismiss it. Or if you're an American woman in 2022, you think, ah, we're in a new modern era. That's not me. And therefore... If you would dismiss this, which we would easy, be easy to do, we would miss the point underneath, and I don't want you to miss that. So the point coming in this morning is you'll see that Paul is going to be answering some questions of the Corinthians, 
uh, should a woman wear a head covering? Uh, now, if you were to take this passage literally, everyone in the church would be in disobedience because none of you women have hats on today. And so you have to ask the question, how do we approach this scripture? Or should we approach it or should we dismiss it? And that's the question that is always coming into play, that when you find in the Bible things that you don't think are relevant or they're culturally, it's so easy to dismiss this and not learn from them. But Paul would say all scripture is inspired by God. And all scripture is given for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteous, righteous, righteousness. So that the man or woman of God may be adequately equipped, completely prepared to handle what it means to live in a fallen world. So for that reason, there are issues to understand what Paul is, is addressing here. And the way Paul addresses it is he does an end run around head covering, but he comes back to it. But there are some issues here, I think, that are very worthwhile. But, again, you might want to throw a shoe at me at the end of this, because once you open this can of worms, uh, a lot of pastors will say, oh, I wish I would not have done that. And so what I've come to understand is a lot of pastors skip over this because of women's rights and feminism and, and the issue of of where women fit in the church, well, it is a big issue. And so once, you, once you're in it, you see it. If you're not in it, you don't see it. So follow me this. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. So Paul is giving them a pattern, a tradition, that Paul says, these Corinthians are starting to follow Paul. He says, I praise you for that, because this is what I want you to do. Just as, keep that in mind, just as I delivered them to you. Just as. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. He goes on. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. Do you get that? When a man has something on his head while praying or prophesying, disgraces his head. That is why in our culture, when we sing the national anthem, you take off the hat. That is why when you go in and you're hearing somebody pray, men take off the hat. There's a reverence when men take off the hat because he is saying symbolically and a gesture I want to honor. And his honor, it says here, is about honoring or dishonoring. The wearing of a hat is about shame and honor. But every woman, just the opposite, who does not have her head uncovered, who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying, disgraces her head. For she is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. Now, that's going to be a real uh, liver shiver to make you inspired to worship God. And don't you really get excited about this stuff? I mean, isn't that praise and worship just kind of about getting your head uncovered? No, it's like, what is he talking about? If you're like Paul is, but this is a real issue for them. And what you need to understand, 
Paul goes on, if a woman does not cover her head, let her also have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to have his head covered, since he is the image and glory of God. <clears throat> but the woman is the glory of man. That doesn't set very well in today's society. But for man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. Nor uh, For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. You've got four, 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 four. You see, Paul's reasonings up there is he's anchoring it in an order of creation that he's going to get to. And here's the point. Therefore, verse 10, therefore the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Now, if you're not scratching your head on this one, I, I invite you to scratch it. I, however, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is the man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. And therefore you have this uh, mutual reciprocal relationship being tied into these relationships that are going to be reflected in shame and dishonor. And so Paul says to these people who are now wise... At this point, if you're going to follow me and keep my traditions and learn this wisdom, there's real wisdom that don't, don't just look at the head covering superficially, get the wisdom. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair... It is, a glory, is it a glory to her? For her hair is given to her for a covering. But if one is inclined to be contentious, we don't have any other practices, nor have the churches of God. Now, you see how complicated that got all of a sudden. I understood all the English, you did too. But all of a sudden, how do you live this out? So the question to you, church, is should you women have a head covering? Is it dishonoring for being in Chesterland Baptist Church without your head covered? Well, that's a difficult question. And people are wrestling with this because you're talking about cultural, you're talking about practices, and you're talking about expectations and cultural norms. Well, I don't know about you, but when I saw people growing up in, in, in the 60s, I saw some people would have head coverings like this. I, they looked like doilies that would, my mom would have, but there was a lacy covering, and I never understood why that was. And these are called um, mantillas. There's a lot of words that are involved with this, but being a man, I don't understand that. But here's the relevance. Why would women cover their hair? In our society, we are very familiar with this, having the Amish nearby, or if you're in a Mennonite community, you're going to see much, much more of this. But this passage in particular has been taken as a springboard to say uh, it's more about head covering. This is about women 
and women being ordained in the church. And they go back to this passage about subordination and ordination and, and the calling. This has become a very contentious, hot topic, which I'm not going to get into. But why would I want to talk about that? Is because scripture is inspired to give us the wisdom. It's unpopular. People don't wear hats. It's a cultural con- uh, issue today. If you're in certain groups uh, and you, you feel pressure to wear a hat, Paul says, like the meat sacrificed idol, there's a freedom here. You're free to wear the hat or free not to wear the hat. But the issue is do we take this as prescriptive? You have to do that. Or do we take it as descriptive? Well, let me give you a little bit of a context. This isn't new to us, and it's not new to Paul. As a matter of fact, it's very, very old. It goes back to Rebecca. In Genesis, at the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 24, Rebecca said to her servant, Who is this man, Isaac, who is coming towards Who is this man, in the field walking to meet us. And the servant said, He is my master. Then Rebekah took her veil and covered herself. And that's, the, that's what she did as a practice. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Rebekah took a veil when she met the man and covered herself. Well, that story, that romance would continue to go on. But you notice... In that sentence, there is no command. In that sentence, it is not a prescription for what women are to do. It is a description of what was done. Prescriptive sentences imply cooperation. And usually for the whole nation of Israel or for the organization of the church. If it is prescriptive and biblical... It is transcultural for all Christians at all times. And that's what makes this difficult. Because if it's prescriptive, it's arbitrary. You don't have a voice in it. It's authoritative. It's imposed. And we agree tacitly as to what should happen. Seatbelts. Laws. We agree with those. We follow those because they're arbitrarily imposed. So are speed limits, but we don't always follow those speed limits. But the point is, there are cultural norms, and there are customs, and we, we have other customs like the, the foot washing. Do we do foot washing today on a regular basis? How about the holy kiss? So some customs we, we do, and some customs we don't, but is it prescriptive or descriptive? Descriptive means that you're revealing some actions or language that report, describe what has happened. She covered her face. That's a description. But not what needs to happen. Nothing in that passage says she needed to cover her face. So if you're describing things, you're talking about how things are practiced and lived out so that people see you in action as Christian, as women, in a church or in public. Now here's the kicker. If you don't get this, you'll miss this. Christian women weren't the only one covering their hair. Did you know that? The Corinthians were covering their hair. Culturally, 
women would walk in, a, in public with their hair covered. And so in Greece and Rome, you'll see lots of statues that would have women, again, adorned with these head coverings. Oh, I didn't get this. So Aphrodite, Lady Demeter, Lady Persephone, and Queen Hera. You don't get those? Didn't come up in this one. But uh, there were women in, in Corinthian pagan culture that always wore head coverings because it was the symbol of authority that she was either married or under someone, but it was a sign that they were a lady and the adornment of the externals would definitely qualify as this is a good woman. The context is that if you weren't, if you were a woman and you did not have your head covering, you communicated a different kind of lady. And so the prostitutes in Corinth, and there were multiple prostitutes, they would walk with their head uncovered. And therefore, is it prescriptive? Is it descriptive? Well, it's cultural. Here in Corinth, it was cultural. And therefore, the issue isn't so much, does God want you to cover your head? The issue is, do you want to follow the respectable order that God has set up in, in the church and in society? That's what the issue was. And so... Paul would get into this issue uh, by saying that if you are in, in Christ as a Gentile and you come into the church, you're going to find some expectations that are biblical. And here's where the tension comes. There are Christians that say, if you are in the church and your head is not covered, it is a prescription and you are going to dishonor and disgrace God by praying with your head uncovered. You understand why that could be made a law if you take the Bible, in this case, literally. But the Bible would not just talk about this uh, as a literal sentence, as a prescription. It also takes it as a metaphor, as a symbol of authority. And so if a woman has her hair cover, covered, it's a symbol that she is under a rule under uh, a man as the head of the house. And therefore, the metaphor of a head, one who's representative at the top as authority, and then the woman follows and submits to that authority because of the order that God put. That's a metaphor. It's, it's a description that, in the language we talk about this, becomes very problematic and our 20th, in our, in our day and age. And therefore, what Paul is trying to say is to the women that there is a symbol of authority. And the different ways groups take that is if you are a Mennonite, if you're Amish, if you're a Catholic, if you were wearing the burqa, if you're wearing the hajib, there are cultural influences that are coming into the church that practice, and people will do these practices, but they miss the point behind it. And the point is, it is not what you wear on the outside. It's the attitude of Christ on the inside. And therefore, 
A woman may have her head covered, but on the inside may be resisting and contentious with her husband. Therefore, just because your head is covered doesn't mean that your heart is soft and surrendered. Therefore, it's not about the externals. It's about the internals that I think Paul is trying to get at. And so as, his, as a result, he would go to Christ. And many times in the New Testament, many, many times, but this passage in particular is the hinge passage that Paul opens the door and says, it's about imitating Christ. Imitating Paul. And the imitation that Paul wants them to follow is that Christ submitted to, to the Father. You see, when we talk about submission and authority in our day and age, that's a strange language. We don't hear it. And yet, for Paul, in his day and age, he says, it is for your protection so that people don't misunderstand who you are. If your hair is uncovered, people would think, are you a prostitute? That's a shame. And therefore, Paul is going back to Christ to say the order that we follow is what Christ, what Christ did and described that we should do as an example. Therefore, being in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he submitted himself and he took on the form of a bond servant. And as Christ would submit himself to the law, to, to the word, to the Lord, to the Father. He was in submission and did what God wanted him to do. And that's what Paul wants the Corinthians to do. You follow Christ as Christ would follow the order of creation. And that order, that rightness, would be just as, uh, as an example that he gave to us, whether in foot washing or the other things, but just as Christ was sent, he says, like that, I send I you. And therefore, there's an equivalency for us as Christians to follow Christ as Paul followed Christ, but with the freedom of Christ and moving towards that community because this submission issue isn't a male-female thing. And it's not an abnormal thing. Parents, child, you submit. Police officer, <laughs> a speeder. They submit. Uh, we live in a, a world where hierarchy is the norm, but dishonor and disobedience is also part of the norm. Well, the superior freedom that Christ wants us to enjoy is that if we align ourselves with the purposes of God, with the Word of God, with the freedom of Christ in the Holy Spirit, we can adapt to our culture knowing that the gospel has set us free. Therefore, if you come to church with your head covering, there's no judgment on you. Or if you don't come with your head uncovered, there's no judgment on you because in Christ you have been set free. The questions about whether this is a command and prescription, that's going to be another pot of coffee. But we won't do that here. But I just want to say that this issue for Paul becomes another one of these freedom issues that in Christ you are liberated from the rules. But you're not liberated from the reverence and the respect for the internal attitude as I want to follow and serve my master. That means for Paul, if he goes into the Jewish community, he can submit to the Jewish culture. 
because he's free. If he goes to the non-Jewish community, he's free. He does all things to win people to Christ because he's free. Likewise for us. It's not about my rights. It's not about my freedom. It's about this redemptive, restorative community, which we are part of. We're going to continue to move that way as Paul gets into this idea that you have a place in the whole community and you are free to have your voice as we all come together to take our gifts, to take our personalities and blend them together as he's going to talk about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. So we're climbing that mountain where Paul is trying to say to these Corinthians what God's really after is how well you love and how well you serve, and how well you honor. Those are the things that Paul is trying to teach the Corinthians. How do you get around all that in a short sermon? Because I just opened up a can of worms. You may have thousands of questions. Uh, If you do, go ask the deacons. They'll give you all the answers. (laughs) Sorry, guys. But I just want you to know, I think there's more in this passage that I'm going to go into. I'm going to bypass it here. Because the only thing you need to keep in mind is that Christ is the one we imitate. And if you love Christ, then you'll love and serve other people, being sensitive to whatever cultural issues there are. But at this point, I'm going to stop here because we rest in the goodness of God. We rest in the freedom of Christ. That's that amazing grace. Okay? Ryan?